grateful for the lighthouse tonight. Why don't you magnify the Lord with me? Let's exalt his name together. Hallelujah. God, we are thankful that you pulled us out of that darkness into your marvelous light. Praise God. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be with you tonight. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I kind of feel like David in Psalms 124, if it had not been for the Lord that was by my side. I want to give honor to my pastor, Brother Stevenson. I do appreciate him in just the short time that we have been going here. I love him and his family dearly. We, we truly have a wonderful pastor and man of God. I want to give honor to you as a church as well for welcoming us in and, and allowing us to be part of this church body and this church family, and we appreciate each and every one of you for doing so. I want to jump right into the Word of God. I want to go to the book of James. If you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to James chapter 1, starting in verse 1. I've got a lot of material to cover, and my wife can vouch for uh, me staying within time restraints, so I need to get started as soon as possible. James chapter 1, starting in verse 1, I want to read down through verse number 4. Verse number 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I want to teach tonight. may end up doing a little treaching, but we're going to try to teach on spiritual maturity. You may be seated. There's a lot of things I like about James, but that first scripture in James tells me a lot about him. He starts off the, the scripture, James, a servant, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that servant in the Greek means to, it, it means a slave. But this servant is someone that is totally surrendered, does not consider their lives their own. They live solely to serve the Lord and to please him and him only. A servant is someone whose will has been sacrificed to God's will, not their own, meaning more or less that they are at the complete and total disposal of the Lord. Servants and many more characteristics, and here's just a list of few. A servant is absolutely obedient. The servant knows no law but his master's word. He has no rights of his own. He is obedient to the word of God, and he is obedient to his pastor as well. Servant, another characteristic is humility. 
James chapter 4 and verse 10 tells us to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Luke 14 and 11 says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, which is humbled. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If you sum all of that up and just put it in layman terms, don't think more of yourself than what you ought to. Confidence is good, but not to the point of arrogance. Another characteristic of, of a servant is loyalty. Loyalty is, the definition is faithfulness to commitments or obligations. Loyal persons own profit and their own preference do not enter into their own mind. Prime example of, of loyalty would be, would be Ruth. If I could think of some, some person in the Bible that reminded me of loyalty, it would be her. We all know the story, Naomi's, Naomi's husband Elimelech dies. And her two sons die as well, and she's left there with her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And they were basically released to go back to their homeland, and Naomi went to Judah, and she told her daughter-in-laws that they could do just that. And Orpah, she, she went back. And, but Ruth said in chapter 1 and verse 16, she said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest I will go, and whither thou lodgest I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Loyalty. Her own wants and desires didn't even come into play. You see, just, just the very beginning of that scripture that we read in the text, it it tells me a lot about James. It tells me what I need to know about James right off the top. And he could have easily said that, you know, James, the brother of Jesus, or, or he could have said, you know, James, the leader or the bishop. And, and those things would have been true, and that would have been fine. But he was obedient, he was humble, and he's loyal. He was a servant. It's, it's, it's not about us. It's about Jesus and others. We put ourselves to the side. We are called to be a servant above all. I'm not against titles and I'm not against positions by any means. I've held just about every position in a church with the exception of the pastor himself. That's fine. But we are called first to be a servant above all. We are to serve God and we are to serve others. Another thing, it, just as soon as he says, James, a servant, he says, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want you to understand there, when it says, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, this by no means confirms that there is more than one person in the Godhead. That word and translates to even. And in some translations, it would say, of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you put that even in the place of and, it says, of God, even of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means they're equal. They're the same. They are one. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. 
one God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and if we can't quote anything else, we better be able to quote that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Then it goes on to, to more or less kind of give us a, an idea of, of who he's talking to. And he says it's to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Now this is actually referring to what is called as the dispersion. For the sake of time, we don't have time to get in depth with that. But basically what it was is, was, is were the Jews that were scattered among the Gentiles. That's what it boils down to. And most, most predominantly because of persecution. But that who he was referring to. Now, the 12 tribes typically symbolizes the, the people of God, the church itself. So that's who he's referring to. Then we get to verse 2. He's greeted us. He's kind of given us an insight of kind of who he is as a person. Verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, this is one thing that I just love about James. James doesn't, as the old expression say, he doesn't take you plumb around Laura's house to get where you're going. He just shoots straight to the point. James, I'm here. This is who I am. Now let me tell you what you need to know. That's one thing I love about James. That he's direct. He's straight to the point. And when it comes to salvation and growing spiritually, that's what I want to hear. I don't want somebody to sugarcoat something. I don't want somebody to tell me what I may want to hear. I want somebody to tell me directly what I need to hear. What's going to help me? What's, what's, what do I need to know? I've walked out of more church services than I can count with both of my feet sore. And that's fine. Some of y'all will get that in a minute. My toes have been stepped on more than once. But that's one thing that I just dearly love about James. He's very direct. He's, he's, he's very straightforward and to the point. But if you look at that, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, that's a pretty good solid punch right off the top. That word divers in the Greek means just various kinds. And that temptations is, is translated in the Greek as to trials and tests. That's your valleys. That's the stuff we don't like. That's, that's those storms that come that nobody wants to, to go through. But he says, my brethren, count it all joy. He didn't say count some of it joy. He said count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Now, he didn't say that, you know, count it all happiness when you fall into divers' temptations. He, he didn't say happiness at all because happiness is nothing more than an emotion. It's based upon your circumstances and your situation that you find yourself in at that particular time. What he's saying is joy. You know, and, the, and, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Word of God tells us that. And it's the joy of the Lord is based completely upon reliance on God. Joy comes from spending time with the Lord. You know, if you find yourself where it seems to, where joy is kind of hard to come by, we really need to reevaluate who we're spending our time with. You can't get strength from someone who you don't spend time with. Psalm 16 and 11 says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. So you've got to get in the presence of God to experience joy. 
And if we're not spending enough time with, with God, then, then we may run a little, a little slim on the joy side. But we're supposed to look at whatever situation that we face and say, this will better me. This is going to help me. Now, what can I learn from this? And by nature, that's extremely difficult. I didn't say it was easy. By nature, we want to do the opposite. We want to start grumbling. We want to start complaining. You know, we want to start questioning God. You know, God, why? Why am I having to face this? We could sit here today after tomorrow and we could all discuss storms that we've all been through, trials and tests that we, we're going through. So, and, and a lot of us are going through them right now. And, and we wonder why. And we want to try to understand. I mean, take it from somebody right here. I think I have to understand everything. Everything. That, that's one of my flaws. I think in my mind that I've got to understand it. And the Lord has just slapped me in the face with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 so many times it's not even funny. God, I think I need to understand that. But Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6 says you're supposed to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. Basically what he's telling you. So it, my understanding doesn't even come into play. I can't lean on my understanding. What I've got to know is God knew what I was going to go through before I even got there. And he knows the outcome before I get to the outcome. I need only just to trust in him. So we, we've got to change our mindset and our focus. I, I'm talking about spiritual maturity. These things come as you mature. It's not going to happen overnight. But we've got to understand that God is always in control always in control. There is nothing that is God off, off balance at all, ever. Never. There is nothing that has shocked God. God knew it all along. But even though he's in control, we need to realize we're not. Maybe I'm the only one that struggles with that, but I think I have to be in control of situations as well. I'm, I'm pretty transparent. You'll learn that over time. But we have no control. And the quicker you realize it, the better off you'll be. So whether it's trials or, or sufferings, or setbacks, injury, illness, you, you fill in the blank. There is one thing that we have control of. Most situations we have no control. Some, they just happen. They just happen. But I have said this and I have quoted this for years upon years. The enemy can take literally everything away from you. Strip you of everything but how you react or you respond. That is the one thing that we will always have control over. That's where we have the choice. We may not have the choice of the situation that we find ourselves in, but how we react to it. Have you ever had to, and don't raise your hand on this, please. Have you ever had to repeat some of the same stuff over and over again? 
from the smiles on the face, I can, I can, I can read what you, what you mean. But do you ever wonder why you repeat some of that same stuff? Some of the same things happening over again. Do we ever stop and think that it could very well be that we hadn't learned what we need to learn in that? Because once we learn what we need to learn in it, we'll move on to something else. That's maturing. But we've got to learn and we've got to grow from every single situation that we face. We've got to keep our mind focused. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Verse 4 says, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Notice in that second verse, he also says when. He didn't say if you fall into divers' temptations. When. You live long enough for God, it's going to happen. And it usually doesn't take long before it starts. It's going to happen. You're going to have run-ins with the enemy. You're going to have tests. You're going to have trials. It, it's, it, it, it's been my experience, if you don't have any run-ins with the enemy, you're probably headed in the same direction. But understand this, that as I said before, God knew it was going to happen before it ever happened. God's got you right in the midst of it. How many times does it say he'll never leave you nor forsake you? He's going to be with you right in the midst of it, regardless of what it is, no matter how bad it is. We need only just to trust in him. James chapter 1 in the third verse, it says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That word trying is proving in the Greek. That's what it means. Patience is perseverance and endurance. So patience is not simply just the ability to, to bear things. It is the ability to turn them into greatness and into the glory of God. We've got to endure some stuff. We don't like that trying part. You know, it's easy that we can sit back and we've got faith when you've got plenty of money in your bank account and everything's going smooth. But when you run into a situation where you've got more month than you have money, then it's you, you, that's proven. That's trying. We don't like that. It makes us uncomfortable but it's necessary. How do you think your faith is ever going to grow if you never go through anything? It's uncomfortable. It's not enjoyable. That word faith, we all, we've heard about faith our whole lives if you've been in a church for any amount of time and we know that that 11th chapter of Hebrews is, is the faith chapter of the Bible, and that first scripture tells us what faith is. You know, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We, we know that. 
But do we truly understand it? It's telling us plain what faith is. That word substance in the Greek means confidence. The confidence of things hoped for. Now that hoped for is to expect. Which tells me that you first off have to expect something. But if you stop right there, you still have no faith. You've got to have confidence in what you expect. That's simply what faith is. And we, we all want that mountain-moving faith. But we really don't like that trying and that proving. That's, that's pretty tough. I'll tell you a little something. This was just kind of dropped in my spirit here a little while back. We all know that faith can move mountains. Can, not necessarily that it will. Now, Brother Barnes always used to, to quote that uh, you pray. You get down on your knees and you pray that the mountain be removed. And when you get through praying, you get up and the mountain's still there, climb it. There's some mountains you just got to climb. Some of them are not going to be moved. But faith can move mountains. But the Lord dropped in my spirit that doubt can create them. Well, I don't know about you, but I face enough mountains in my life as it is for me to have to create more than what I've already got to face. So there are three things that I believe that will help us. Now, this is not a complete list by any means. But these are three things that, that stuck out to me. Number one, quit trying to control everything. When you try to control the outcome of something, there's only one outcome that can be determined a success in your mind, and that's the outcome that you believe should happen. Even if it turned out better, in your mind, your mind is going to think of it as failure because it didn't turn out like you thought. So yet doubts are thrown in there, you know, and it, it's God, not my will, but yours. He knows best. I don't. If I do it, I'm going to mess it up. That's a guarantee. But if I give it all to God, number two, these are tough things, but I, it's just, that's who I am. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. Complaining is the doubt factory that will churn out the production equivalent to a malignant cancer. Complaining does absolutely no good at all. It'll end up making you bitter instead of better. And those things won't do us nor anybody else 
any good. All that complaining just escalates the situation and blinds us to our ability to be better. One of my previous pastors made a statement one time, and I'm hurrying because I still got a lot of material in a short time. One of my previous pastors made a statement one time that just literally set me back in my pew. And I wrote it down, and I've never forgotten it. He said, complaining is to Satan as praise is to God. And once I heard it put like that, I never thought of it like that. It gave me kind of a, a different perspective on complaining from there on out. Now, back before I got the Holy Ghost, I did enough to praise the devil's side, if you will. I refused to give him any credit for anything. Anything. But it's kind of hard not to complain sometimes, ain't it? That's another one of those natural reactions. Third thing is know how to pray. You know the secret to getting every prayer answered? To pray God's will, not ours. I can guarantee you every one of them be answered. Now, it may not be answered like we think it should be. But every single one of them will be answered. Now, we have to surrender our will to God's will because I assure you he knows best and the outcome will always be the right one. Basically three answers that you're going to get. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, and sometimes not yet. Now, I can deal with that yes and that no, but that not yet, that wait just kind of gets me. Verse number four says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, that perfect is not what you think it is. I'm not perfect, and there's not a perfect person sitting in this whole sanctuary. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect. That word perfect means mature in the Greek. Entire means whole or complete. But let your patience have her mature work, that ye may be mature and complete, wanting nothing. All of this is leading up to us maturing. These trials lead to, to endurance or patience. And then this endurance and patience is going to lead to maturing. But it's all in a process. Patience is, is that stay in power. It's like perseverance and, and the endurance to just not give up. It's about actively overcoming our situation, not just sitting, accepting and doing nothing. Patience will take us beyond our comfort zone. We'll be able to be better able to be used by God. But it definitely is not an excuse to do nothing. As it requires an action and a response. So we've got to wait for the right time. And in the meantime, we've got to learn 
and we've got to grow. It's all about growth. There was years ago that I was a Sunday school director at that particular time. And I don't know if they still do it. I'm assuming they do. But once a year, they used to do a Sunday school training down at Tioga. And we took all the Sunday school teachers down there for that training. And I will never forget, my wife and I went to one of the training sessions. And I believe her name was Sister Ramsey, but don't quote me on that. She was doing the teaching. And she made a statement that forever just stuck in my mind. Now, you can apply this from an individual level, or you can apply it to a corporate level as well. But she said, if you're not growing, you're dying. So, if that be so, then growing is at the utmost importance. It's a must. We've got to. We've got to learn and, it, and grow. And it's going to bring about our spiritual maturity. We should grow as a result of our problems, those valleys, those storms. And, you know, God, if you choose to calm the storm, that's great. If you don't choose to calm the storm, maybe you choose to calm me in the storm. Either way, it's a win-win when you've got God by your side. But all of these things that we face are going to uh, strengthen us and make us better and more spiritually mature. And then we'll be able to be of better use to God and to others. Brother Ken Gurley made a statement. And it just, it, it just rang loud up on my head. It, it, and he quoted this. He said, short-term suffering, when endured well, leads to long-term growth. It's a, it, it's a, I guess you could say in a figuratively way that it's a necessary evil. It's just, it has to happen. You can take this, this growth, take it as, as like a child. That child that's first born is getting just, just milk or, you know, just these little things that it can, it, can, it can hold on to right then. As time progresses, if you've got a child six or seven years old and they're still drinking formula, you're going to be concerned. Same way in the spiritual realm. We've got to continuously grow. We've got to make a continuously progress toward the maturing in our growth. And it's, it's painful. It's painful at times. It's not real comfortable. I know when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm no medical person, so I couldn't tell you if it was right or wrong. I'd have these pains in my legs. Of course, Mama said, just, it's just growing pain, son. It's just growing pains. Well, I mean, they were uncomfortable, and it hurt, and they'd, they'd have you just balled up sometimes. But growing pains are like that. They're going to hurt. You're going to come out some of these storms. You're going to have scars. You're going to have bruises. But I'd rather be skin up and limp and walk into heaven than be whole and bust hell wide open. So my spiritual growth is a must. It is absolutely necessary. I want to bring out one other topic and just, 
just kind of explain to you. We, we don't like those valleys. Nobody likes the valleys. If you do, I question that something may be wrong with you. Nobody enjoys that. But if you look at it from a map, from, from a picture, when you look at valleys, what do you see? You see growth. You see green grass. You see trees growing. You see fruit hanging. The further you climb up the mountain, what do you see? Less growth. The further you go, the less growth you see. That mountaintop is only for you to rest. Now, I've heard some people say, I just don't see no valleys. I just go from mountaintop to mountaintop. Well, for one, I quit talking to that person. But for two, nobody goes from mountaintop to mountaintop. I didn't call him a lie, but I doubted his word. But we, we have to have those valleys. That's where the growth is going to happen. It's not going to happen on a mountaintop. That's for you to rest. Now, that climb up gets pretty rough. But just like that old song said, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. There's a reason why it's rough. If it was slick, you couldn't get a grip and you couldn't climb it. So these things are necessary for our spiritual growth. Y'all stand with me tonight. As painful as they are, we've got to have them. And we've got to have the right attitude while we're going through it. That's the tough part. It's not just the valleys. It's the having the right attitude and the right reaction and the right response as we're going through it. I'm not old by any means, but I am too old to be continuously making some of the same mistakes. I'm, I'm not going to walk 40 years in the wilderness. I ain't got that much left. So I need to learn from my mistakes pretty quick and move on to the next one. Amen. Let's lift our hands towards heaven. God, we just thank you and we praise you tonight, Lord. We lift you up and we glorify your name. God, we just help us, Lord, each and every one of us, to give us the strength that we need to continue and go through these valleys and these storms that we face, God. And we just we give you all the, the glory and all the power and all the honor, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give